From Baltimore, Maryland, this is The Stoop Sessions, a One Hope podcast. Join us for conversations about ministry on The Stoop. Learn more about our work at www.onehope.gives. We're like Stoop Sessions on the road right now. That's right. We are on a stoop in California. <laughs> Not quite a stoop, but something like it. And uh, I'm super grateful. Uh, it's kind of like a blast from the past, but I get to be on the stoop with my former pastor, Bobby Scott, which is cool. That's right. I'm grinning from ear to ear right now. Aren't I, Joel? Confirm it. You are. Okay. So welcome to the Stoop Sessions. And I'm Joel Kurz. I'm Stephanie Greer. And we're in California uh, with one of the pastors at Community Faith Bible Church. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you in LA? Is that or is your church in LA proper? LA County, not LA proper. Okay. And, uh, so we are about. If you land in LAX, it's a freeway that goes out of the airport going east called 105. Take that 20 minutes and you hit our church. Okay, gotcha. So Stephanie was at your church yes. prior mm-hmm. to coming to Baltimore. Yeah. And um, let's, t- let's hear that story a little bit. How did you end up at Community Faith? Yeah, it must have been, I was at the Master's College and you preached a sermon perhaps. Mm-hmm. And prior to you preaching a sermon, PJ Tobian preached a sermon on like um, the importance of, uh, I don't know, being involved in your church. And at that time, I think I wanted to be uh, somewhere where I could be, um, learn from a different context. I wanted to kind of sit under um, a different type of teaching, same gospel teaching, but a different different type of context. So um, I heard you preach, and I thought maybe <laughs> maybe I should go there. It wasn't super biblical. I mean, it wasn't like super spiritual decision. Um, I just thought, wow, that sounds like the gospel's preached. And then I would meet you at like fairs later, and I think just talking to you about um, you, Pastor Kid's heart. I thought, okay, I want to I want to be under this leadership. So. I drove an hour and 15 minutes. An hour and 15 minute Sunday. commute. Wow. Yeah. So the whole intentional living thing was not happening. Well, you know what? I didn't, in hindsight, I'd probably just move here um, yeah. if I knew what I knew then. Uh, but it, it, I can honestly say, I think God's favor has been upon me just sitting under a good leadership. And so um, I've been spoiled. And so it's, it's really sweet to do this today. It's great to have you, Stephanie. Put a blessing to our ministry, and then to be able to send you out. Yeah. So, fun fact: I wrote a thesis, understanding or uh, um, approaching racism um, in a biblical way. And Bobby was one of the. I mean, you came out to my thesis presentation and just spoke about the importance of thinking about this, and that meant a lot for me, especially in that in that time to have someone say, "I think this is important," and I'm going to clear my schedule and come out and uh, talk about why it is. That's encouraging. Yeah. So, Bobby. Introduce yourself a little bit uh, and the history of Community Faith Bible Church. Yeah. Bobby Scott, husband of Naomi. I have to throw out my uh, angel. Uh, Man, we should have an episode on y'all's stories. Yes. That is good. Yeah, it's a fun story how we met and all that. But I, I'll pass <laughs> right now on that one other than to say we have six kids. Okay. She's born and raised in L.A. I'm a transplant, but it's home for me. I, I've been out here since 82. The Lord saved me through um, my sister D taking me to church. And before that... wow. I heard hearing a street preacher at Cal State LA just clearly articulate how mm. Christ died for my sins, how if uh, he would save me, forgive me, and the Lord just took took the stony heart and just melted it. And I wow. wanted I wanted to be forgiven. Mm. And believing by his grace that he would forgive me, I repented and trusted Christ. And after my sister took me to church and I heard the gospel again, that was back in 1984. Wow. Little did I know the Lord was preparing me for the gospel. I just loved reading my Bible. I thought every Christian who got saved spent Saturday all day, eight hours reading the Bible. 
I didn't realize that Whoa. was abnormal. So I just read my Bible all the time. And the Lord plugged me, I transferred to UCLA, plugged me into a good Bible study from Grace Community Church. Disciple there, trained there for leadership, trained to preach there, and the Lord called me there. And immediately, when I graduated from seminary, went down to the heart of South Central, one city block north of the L.A. riots a year after, mm. in 1993, and started pastoring there. Wow. What was that like? Uh, it was wonderful. Um, it was a small church, about 15 people. I was still single. Did you plant wow. the church? No, it was a revitalization. Okay. Godly pastor who stayed on after his health totally failed. So um, the, the ministry really started, was impacted by that. So people weren't coming. He, was, he couldn't even be there every Sunday. Yeah. Wow. And so uh, the Lord called me there, and I got married a month after they called me as their pastor to Naomi. And we just grew together every year, 15 to 20, 25, up to 50. And then one of my mentor pastors, who was pastoring at an historic ministry in L.A., mm -hmm. in Watts, the ministry is called the Los Angeles Bible Training yeah. School, um, my mentor was pastoring the church that met at that school on the same campus, and he was looking to retire. His name was Floyd Johnson. And he said, Bobby, why don't you come over here and you can go full time? I was mm -hmm. tent making. So we moved from South Central to Watts and was there for 12 years. And um, just watching folks hear the word of God yeah. and to grow, mm -hmm. um, that was just, um, just a blessing to be used of the Lord, to raise up leadership. And then one more merger. In 2012, I merged with the, another TMS guy. We were close, close friends. And we both had a congregation around 150. But we had a, a, you know, the Lord really impressed upon us that if we come together, we could do things mm -hmm. for the city, for pastors in our context that don't have resources yeah. to, um, to, to have that we had. So we thought we could provide conferences. We just did one for pastors this mm -hmm. past weekend. We could, uh, we could provide more training. Yeah. We, could, we could equip more guys and send more guys out. That's, so that's, that's my story. That's, that's how the Lord and his grace and, brought and me And so that me. merge turned into community faith. Yes. And here we are. Praise yeah. God. I remember hearing a sermon that you preached and you said that sometimes it can feel like certain theological circles feel like Samaria or living in Samaria. Can you explain that more? Like, jolt my memory. I'm sure that's in pieces, but it stuck to me for some reason. Yeah, I, I had an opportunity to preach in a really conservative context uh, to pastors being trained at a seminary. And I wanted to press upon them John chapter four and apply it to our American context where mm. we have built... Uh, a, a wall, intentionally, legally, socially, culturally, every yeah. kind of way you can think of. We built a wall so there was an America within an, an America. And the America that was subjugated to that were deprived of all kinds of opportunities, mm -hmm. educational opportunities, economic opportunities, and on and on and on and mm -hmm. on and on. And when I'm watching Jesus saying he had to go through Samaria, that he's moving into a place mm -hmm. in Israel that... Judaism um, had built a wall against, and so you had, you know, the the Samaritan woman. She didn't have she she knew probably what a fifth you know a five year old may have known mm. who had access to just the temple and the training and the catechism type learning that they would she would have had as growing up in Judaism, but she just didn't have any theological answers. So she's asking Jesus now questions like, well, you people say this and you say that. And so 
My burden was that in our country, having isolated part of the church and excluding them from, legally so, from seminaries mm-hmm. and the broader body of Christ, that uh, God, God's grace and his power worked and people were saved and you had real churches, but often deprived of a lot of privileges that I thought we now can intentionally reconnect. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of mentioned LABTS. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're like super familiar having taught there. Uh, what do you think is the importance of raising up leaders who might not have access to traditional theological training? I think it has to happen. I, I, and, and in a lot of urban contexts, inner city context, um, even pastors, they have to work. So the traditional school setting, eight to five, mm-hmm. you have classes, people are working eight to five. Yeah. So to have a school like the Los Angeles Bible Training School that provides education at night was a godsend to this community. Now people who love the Lord and wanted to serve faithfully at his church yeah. could be equipped by very well-trained scholars to send them back into their local churches. But it, it was at a it was at a non-traditional school hours in the yeah. evenings and, and the like. And so yeah. a lot of folks can go at in Los Angeles to the school and it was Tuition free, just pay a registration, wow. and you got a full Bible training education that some of the local colleges would accept. In your mind, is it um, sort of creating systems and abilities for them to go to these established institutions for training, or is it more so thinking through how do we do training at the local church level in some of these communities that may have been neglected? Yeah, I would say the latter. I would say churches in your context, figure out how to train your people. Mm. And, um, and and God will give you the resources to do that. We just have to network and connect. Mm-hmm. But I would say, like in our context, it's going to take longer, you know, because we can't just take a guy out of work for three, four years and mm-hmm. ship him off somewhere yeah. and pay $30,000 a year. And so I would just say for pastor, if you want to raise up leadership, um, then use your Sunday school mm. to train That's leaders. A good, good idea. Just yeah. develop a really robust plan. Four years, lay it out so you cover your basic theologies, major books of the Bible, major practical theologies, mm. and don't underestimate what God can use you That's to do good, yeah. in training up leaders and educating them. So a lot of churches in our context, mm-hmm. and maybe some folks that would be listening to this podcast, Uh, may not have large budgets, they don't have staff members, and for them, uh, the idea of bringing in, you know, outsiders who have been through seminary to lead things in their church and launch things and create things is not necessarily going to happen. And so we're really thinking through, and even in our own church, like Mm -hmm. we're we're talking about aunts and uncles and just what what you might call regular people. Like I don't want to minimize their importance. But you get it. It Yeah, these these are folks in the pew. But we're looking at them and we're thinking like these are actually our next... Uh, leaders in mm-hmm. our church. Uh, so Sunday school, what are some other ways that we might be thinking of raising up and training uh, leaders in our own context, in our churches, that might not necessarily be chosen by some of these uh, larger institutions? Yeah. God values them, and that's who God's given us. Yeah. And I mean, not even just that's who God's given us, but they're they're very, they are they have access to generations, and they they have an influence. Yeah, what are some of the benefits? Leverage. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not how a negative. What are some of the benefits? Training the and challenges. Yeah. yeah, I would say, Pastor, when you think of your responsibilities, 
you have to look at Jesus' model of ministry and training leaders was at the top. Mm. I just think of Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. When Jesus chooses the 12, he tells us why. In verse 14, it says, so that they could be with him. Mm. And so what pastors often will do, we will prioritize, we got to preach a sermon. That's really, really, really important. And I think without a vision that you can train up other leaders, I think sometimes this might be uh, neglected. So I would say pastors, if you have people who, you you have all the spiritual gifts in your church because Christ made it a body. Mm -hmm. And those people who are gifted to teach have to be trained. Mm -hmm. And so teach a class on Bible study methods. Mm. Um, So I I, I show them what you can do. And uh, so I think if pastors will let them look at, show them your sermon notes, walk them through your sermon preparation, yeah. uh, you know, give them a little Sunday school class, put them in the rotation so they're teaching critique them, give them feedback, mm-hmm. help them. Um, and discipleship in my context is not like me giving out 50 books and read these 50 books and okay. right, give right. me like a five-page write-up on each one of them. But what I do do, what I will do is I will share them uh, in a real transferable way, the things I do when I'm preparing okay. a lesson. So I want to teach them how to teach. And my, would this be maybe in a one-on-one sort of setting? They're sitting with you during sermon preparation or what does that look like practically speaking, boots on the ground? Yeah, so I'll have a group that I'll meet early Sunday morning and we will meet for six months or so and mm-hmm. taking them through. I'll meet with a group of our, my sisters Wednesday night Okay. and my gifted sisters gifted to teach. We'll meet... Wednesday night, and I'll take them through mm. so they, they so they can see the historical context, the prescriptive value of the book. This church has had yeah. all these questions and problems that Chloe's yeah. people are struggling with. And so Paul writes that letter. Guess what? The prescriptive value, he's answering those types of questions yeah. throughout the book. So then the thematic context. Okay, so read that chapter. Give me a chapter heading. What What is being spoken about in each chapter? And then I'll go through and begin to show them a little observing kind of some syntax, give them some resources, some good commentaries to read, and then I'll have them put together a little lesson and I'll give them feedback. Okay, and I think the importance of that is it takes something that seems um, untouchable, lofty, only for the seminarian. And it says, I actually, like Paul says, like I'm confident that you're able and competent to counsel these things. And then the individual is able to see Mm -hmm. that that can happen across the table, walking down the street, on the way to the skating rink or the grocery store. And so I think that's sweet to, to capture that. I remember, do you guys still have noonday Bible study? We do. I always coveted the noonday because I would hear the older folks, the, the, the seasoned yes. saints come through and be like, we're going to talk about that mm-hmm. on Wednesday. And I'm like, what are y'all doing Wednesday at 12? Yeah. And it was like a special, I felt like a special club, but I think you guys did a great job tapping in on our community has this in our context. We yes. have retirees or in their older individuals. And why aren't we using this opportunity to actually preach the gospel? And in all the ways that those individuals had availability to preach the gospel in so many ways. I just yeah. think of the older saints there and I would always be like, I'm coveting your Thursday, your Wednesday at 12. Yeah, two, two things I would do with that. I I, I would, I, I show them like, my, my, the congregation, like I don't want them to think I, it's a magical process that I go through in preparing a sermon. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell them, like, kinda, it's grueling, though. It's grueling, very grueling. But what I will tell them <laughs> is that um, Joel's like, it's. I'm just carefully me. reading the text. Yeah. And so mm. what Second Corinthians one thirteen says, I love it. 
It says, for we are writing nothing to you other than what you read and also understand. So my sermons, mm. in effect, are just careful readings of the yeah. text. I tell people, if, you, if you're reading and you don't understand a word, what do you do? And they'll say, well, we look it up. I'm like, no, you don't. You keep right on reading. Yeah. But, but look it up. And I'll give them resources where yeah. they can look it up. And what the noondayers do, my seniors, they will they go back over the sermon again. And they will listen to it. They take copious notes. And when we meet on Wednesday, we have these fellowship groups that meet yeah. around the city. That one meets on Wednesday noon. Um, and we just go back over the sermon. Yeah. And what I'm doing is drilling it in. So if you don't get it the first time, read it again. So they've read the text. They've heard a sermon. They've listened to the sermon again. They've prepared by going over it again. And basically, now I've got aunts, uncles who can go out and yeah. intentionally start relationships. I want my older women intentionally yeah. connect with the yeah. younger women. Yeah, that's good. And share with them the wisdom that you're learning from your word, right. how you've applied right. it. Yeah. So you're, you're mentioning women there. Uh, you're in a complementarian church? Yes. Respond to the statement, complementarian churches don't care about training up women. They only care about uh, training up elders and men. Uh, true, false, uh, if it's false, what's the value in training up women? Yeah, it's false because of Ephesians chapter 4 says that God has given gifted leaders to the church, mm. pastors, for what? The equipping of the, the, saints, yeah, the saints, all the saints. So the saints can do the work of the ministry. Yeah. Mm. So churches have to find some way to equip all of the saints. Yeah. Paul is striving in Colossians chapter 1, 28 and 29 to bring everybody mm. to maturity. Yeah. And what a mature saint looks like, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, they, can, they know they've been gifted by God. Mm. They know they have a ministry for that gift, and God will empower them to have an impact on the congregation as they use that gift. That's so good. every member is essential. Every part of my body is essential. And so we really, really want to train men, women, we do that during our equipping hour, mm-hmm. we, traditional Sunday school class, but we really are trying to equip. And then we'll try to do it and by, in our noonday Bible studies by really making sure they've understood and applied the sermons. Yeah. Just because I, I love harping on women questions because it is just because I am a woman. Um, and I wanted to maybe hear, where, where have you seen some of the value of training women? I mean, you've talked about it, kind of alluded there. Um, women can open up the word, but what, what are some ways where um, there might be women who are like, I don't think I have anything to give or what's the benefit of this? Where, where have you seen some value even in your own congregation? Um, I, I just think well, if, if a pastor has his eyes open, he's going to recognize in a lot of our churches, a lot, most of our members are going to be women. And if you want to be a great commission church, if you really want to make an impact through the gospel, you're, you're equipping them through your ministry, but then you're sending them out to neighborhoods, to families, to Baltimore city. places. Yeah. Baltimore City. Yeah, to Baltimore. You do send them and to Baltimore. in all these places, you want them to be able to be used of the Lord mm-hmm. in a great commission context. Yeah. To move people towards Christ takes two things. One, you've got to be equipped to preach the gospel. So I'll have one of our Sunday morning, quote unquote, Sunday school classes every 12 weeks training everybody how to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. I'm like, now go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when people get saved, don't just drag them back to me. You start a Bible study with yeah, them. Yeah, that's good. But they can't do that if they're not confident that they can open up the word and explain it. Mm-hmm. So I want my sisters to be able to do that. Yeah. And then I want my sisters to be able to mature and disciple other sisters in the church as well, too, and the council. Yeah. So the first full-time staff member that we ever hired at our church was a female, and it was a female that you sent us, Stephanie. Praise the Lord. Well, so praise God for I was like, who is yeah, that? Pouring into, yeah, that was you. It was you. 
Oh uh, yeah, a little so, fruit of the ministry. Yeah, yeah. who would have thought it? Who would have yep. thought and it? So uh, so wonderful, so helpful in Baltimore. She's doing great, by the way. Oh, we we absolutely yes. Thank you. I am. We love. I am not her. surprised. Oh, yeah, she's kind. wonderful. That's kind. Yeah. That was yeah. painful she's, letting her yeah, go. Yeah, she's uh, a little. She's a little insane. A little. A little, a little on the crazy mental, side. but it works out for the ministry. All right, let's let's uh, let's get back. Um, yeah. I've got a, another angle here. Yeah. Thinking of like raising up folks that are just across the board, you know, in the pews. Our, our regular members becoming trained in the word as leaders. We, we live in a society that is polarized, right mm-hmm. and left, conservative and liberal. Mm-hmm. I think often um, even church members are trained more so by Fox News or by CNN mm-hmm. as opposed God to by, their, by the yeah. word of God, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I, I guess on one hand, I'm kind of wondering over the last couple of years, say since, I don't know, 2020, we could go back to mm. 2012 or whatever, but particularly the last couple of years, yeah. how has your church, Community of Faith Bible Church, weathered a lot of this polarization? Have you guys, if, you, if you're willing to even speak to it at all, uh, have you guys felt that? Have, have you lost folks? Um, what's, that, what's that dynamic been? And then the second question to that is, how does raising up Mm-hmm. our regular folks as biblical uh, teachers and leaders mitigate against some of that polarization? Yeah, uh, by God's grace, and um, I want to emphasize by God's grace, mm. we've stayed amazingly unified. Wow. Wow. Praise God. Yeah, through it all. Um, I can think of, I can only think of one person who left and they came back. Um. So this is through the political strife, the racial strife, the mass don't mass, vax don't vax. And people had deep convictions mm. on all those things. And so what we intentionally did, I think we got we applied Romans chapter 12, and I'll explain it. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, um, where Paul says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing, to God, this is your true worship. So in light of the amazing things that God has done for us and our salvation, live as a worshiper, that's the f- described uh, positively and negatively in verse, tw- verse 2, how to live as a worshiper. He says, do not be conformed to this age. And if I can pull my grammar out and I'll explain it, that's a, that's, that's a passive verb. So passive is when the subject is not doing anything like the ball hit me. I'm the subject, the but 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 I but the ball is doing the action. Mm. So in this passive verb idea, it's just saying take in Fox News, take in CNN. Don't do anything. Just be passive. Just turn it on, mm. and it will mold you. Wow. Mm. Yeah. It will really mold you. Instead, we need to be That's having right. our minds renewed by the Word of mm. God. So we're warning people, what are you thinking about all day and what's the source? Yeah, that's a good question. So wisdom in James, it has a source. There's a godly wisdom and there's a demonic Mm -hmm. wisdom. And if I'm going to be influenced by worldly wisdom, that's not going to make me wise. Wow. And if we need anything, we need to be wise today. Yeah. And so I would really, really push our folks to be be very careful, Mm. thoughtful consumers Mm -hmm. of what you're hearing. Wow. And, And the other quick thing, I think, by God's grace, I think he used and our people embraced. So when Peter identifies us, he, he, we have a radical new identity. In 1 Peter 2.9, you mm. are a chosen race. I told our folks, you're a new humanity. Right. Yeah. You're a new humanity. So you, if I could quote Augustine, that you have a dual citizenship. 
And they're not of equal importance, mm. not of equal accountability, that you are citizen of heaven with a missiological mm. relationship to everything around you. You're trying to give them answers. You're not trying to get your answers from the world around you. Yeah. Fox That's News good. doesn't have the definitive answers yeah. for us. God does. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, yeah. a people for God's own possession. You've got to stand in the middle, hearing what God has said as a priest and communicating that yeah. to the world around you. Right. And what I hear from that is it doesn't negate sadness, grief, no. lament, acknowledgement, but it says, I mean, like you've always said, with our Bibles open, let's actually um, share the actual hope that we have. Yes. Yeah. Where would you say you feel like we have excelled at this, like areas um, that we've excelled and where can we grow in this good endeavor of striving for peace, of um, not being swayed by uh, the philosophies of this world? Where do you think, just not that you can speak for the whole church, but in what you've observed? Where, where have we excelled? Well, where can we what go? I want to say, I think it's going to be a little surprising. I, 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 I mean, this. So we can get really discouraged because mm-hmm. we can turn on social media. Yeah. But if we don't, and how Christians interact. But if you don't look at the church just through the lens of social media, mm. but if you look at it instead of, you know, what's happening here, you all have a podcast. Yeah. Which there is- are folks who connect and work with you all. Yeah. And are supporting you all, mm-hmm. and so Jesus, he he doesn't he he's, he does what he wants to yeah. do That's right. every season. Yeah, and so he is building his church through all this. We had at our church 180 pastors over this weekend mm-hmm. connecting together, and they were you know Acts 29, Presbyterian, yeah. Foursquare, Baptist, Bible. (laughs) And we just connected because we love Jesus and the gospel. So Jesus keeps his church unified. And I get the big names of fighting over all this and that and that, but they're not the only players on the Mm -hmm. table. Mm. Jesus is keeping his church unified. That's good. That's good. That feels very much like there's a remnant. (laughs) Out of the loudness, there's actually faithful on the ground, probably yeah. tired, a little weary, needing to be reminded of. There are loud voices on the left and the right. Yeah. But then there's the voices in the middle who who, who love Jesus and, and they love their brother. So we're not looking to get on social media and fight everybody. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost like we're not there, but no, we're there. And there's a mm, lot of us. That's right, good. Right. Work on the ground. Yeah. And I know a lot of pastors like that. I know... Yeah, that That's they're good. there and they just don't want to get in fight. They don't want to fight their brothers and sisters on social media in front of the world. Yeah, and devour them, yeah. If, if somebody is just thinking like, man, I uh, need to train my people. I haven't been doing a great job. You know, maybe I enjoy preaching. We can put a service together. But at the end of the day, my people are just not that well trained. What would be like step number one and maybe step number two for them to consider? Yeah, small church, you might be bivocational pastor, and so you hear me saying, just get together with them and train them in Bible study methods, train them in theology. Mm-hmm. Like, that's exhausting. You're, you're tired mm-hmm. already. But you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm. So there are ministries out there that have prepackaged stuff you can teach. Yeah. So you don't have to add another, prepare another message to your sermon. Okay. Like uh, Capitol Hill yeah. Baptist Church have core classes online. They're mm-hmm. wonderful. You know, cut and paste. It's, yeah. You know, and just pass them out. They want you to use them. Yes. Yeah, that are freely for They're you. free. Yeah. And so you also can take that new teacher and it puts guardrails for them to give them set curriculum and they can learn mm. as they're teaching. And I think their website is catbap.org. 
and something like core seminars yep, or something like that. Yeah, you just click it or scroll all the way to the yeah, bottom yeah. and click it. I may or may not have used them several times. Yeah. <laughs> I have, yeah. So that's one thing. Give me another thing. Yeah. Yeah, another thing I would say is um, shepherd the people you have. Yeah. Mm. The, the, well, I don't have Michael Jordan, so I don't have a basketball team. Mm. Well, at least, the, yeah. you, you know, take the best point guard you have and mm. build around that person. Yeah. Okay. So because God... Jesus gives gifted people to the church. You have the giftedness in your church to do the ministry right now that Christ That's good. wants you to. And you have to believe, Ephesians 4, that the body builds the body. You've got to release people and let them start using their gifts. That's mm. so good. You know, I'll, I'll use this phrase that I've heard a lot of people use, but it just hit me a couple of years ago. Nobody else is coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think myself in my early years pastoring, I always felt like I, I can't do X or I can't do Y. Like I'm waiting for something. You know, I'm, I don't have the right person or the right team or the right elder. And, um, and it's sort of that waiting for Superman yeah. problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just hit me once. And I think it was uh, that phrase that just hit me like, no, I've got to just, you know, God has actually given me a church. Yeah. He's given me people. Yep. Um, they might not be the Michael Jordans that you're referring to, or at least not not the Michael Jordan in my mind. But uh, but they're they're people that love Jesus, mm-hmm. and these are the people that I'm called to shape, uh, that we're called to raise up as elders for this congregation, as Titus two women and men for this congregation, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the work of ministry, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and focusing on that actually makes it beautiful, it makes it joyful, it makes it yeah. um, exciting. Look at what you have, yeah, not what you don't have. Yeah. It's good to shepherd the people. I think we romanticize the New Testament church in some ways. Like, and they were perfect, and so our church isn't perfect, so I can't. When you read First Corinthians, Paul was saying, hey, you all can't keep going down and hanging out with the prostitutes anymore, and hey, you all can't. He's talking to folks who are in the pews. Right. Yeah. And so there, yeah. there, there's real issues of That's maturity right. that all of our churches have. But at the same time, they were a church, and Paul thanked God for them. Mm. And so, yes, your church has issues where people need to mature. And guess what? The answer to the mature them is theirs. In your hand, it's called your Bible. Mm. And it's right beside your bed. Get out of your bed and stay on your knees and plead to God mm. to sanctify your mm. church. It's good. And, Bobby, we need to be reading our Bibles as well. Yes. You've had your Bible open the whole time we've been chatting, flipping yeah. back and forth. Yeah. And uh, we need to be people in the Word. Yes. Yeah. Right? If we're not in the Word ourselves, yes. we can't expect our people to be in the Word. Yeah. It's good. The, the gospel is equal sign, the power of God. This is where revival starts. Yeah, that's good. Prayerfully teaching and preaching your people the Word and watching the Holy Spirit according to 2 Corinthians um, chapter 3, 17 and 18 incrementally conform them from one level of glory mm-hmm. to the next. That's new covenant ministry. It's preaching your word prayerfully to your people and watch the Holy Spirit grow them. Amen. That's good. Well, we enjoyed some fish tacos here in California yes, with did. you and you are welcome to come to Baltimore and have some crab cakes with us. We got next you. Time we really mean that. We don't invite people we don't. Okay. Yeah. All, right. All right. Yeah, and I'm, I'm grateful for you and Anthony Kidd and I just think of several um, just members that my mind thinks of beautiful saints that Um, have contributed I'm like gleaning from them even now so yeah thank you you can extend the hello um, to community the gratitude is mutual I thank God for what he's doing through you all thanks for your time brother thank you and thanks for Stephanie yes you're welcome I'm here (laughs) thanks for listening to the Stoop Sessions be sure to catch us next time as One Hope exists to build healthy churches in the inner city check us out and connect at www.onehope.gives